Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. And good afternoon. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. We are live here from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. It is Tuesday, February 8th, and as always, we start with the Page One News. You can follow along on the radio links at tedhartradio.com. We've got a great show for you, and don't forget you can call in uh, today to ask a question of our page two expert at 347-324-3080. As always, you can join us over in the chat room and ask questions there, or if you're shy, feel free to email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Now, first up here on page one, I just want to share with you, this was just such a cute story. I had to uh, add it to the radio links today. Uh, over on the radio links, you'll be able to read about cute little nine-year-old daughter of Florida Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam uh, and his daughter, Abigail, baked a cake. Well, she baked a cake for the Polk County Youth Fair auction, uh, and it was purchased for $10,000. Now, way to go, Abigail, uh, in raising money at the Polk County Youth Fair. Uh, and that uh, $10,000 gift came from the Mosaic County uh, or company, a fertilizer company. So just like to share with you uh, stories sometimes of some unusual gifts. Uh, in this case, uh, young uh, Putnam's cake went for uh, quite a bit of money. And next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is I want to bring a good friend of ours uh, on to the show here. Uh, Susan McDermott uh, is a good friend of ours from Wiley, who is a publisher of our books and is the person who has been instrumental in helping us put together the third Tuesday of each month uh, radio series known as the AFP, or Association of Fundraising Professionals, and Wiley Radio Show. Susan McDermott, thank you for joining Joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. No problem, Ted. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you, and I know that uh, you're here to share uh, some good news for us in terms of who will be our guest on the AFP Wiley Radio Show next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next week's guest is going to be Jocelyn Daw, who is one of the uh, the authors, the co-authors of Breaking uh, Break, excuse me, Breakthrough Nonprofit Branding: Seven Principles to Power Your Extraordinary Results. And this is a great hands-on guide to help your nonprofit build its brand, raise its profile, strengthen impact, and develop deeper relationships with donors, volunteers, and other stakeholders. Uh, this is a fantastic book. It includes a lot of case studies. Uh, UNICEF, 
<clears throat> the uh, Food Bank for New York City, the American Heart Association, a lot of different case studies so that you can um, bo- of nonprofits both large and small. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy talking to Jocelyn, and your listeners are going to love the information that she provides in this book. Well, I'm really looking forward to uh, having Jocelyn on uh, on the air here uh, with us uh, next week. I know this has been a very important book, and the series, uh, Susan, is off to a great start. Uh, we've had a couple of really terrific authors, Kay Sprinkle Grace and Jim uh, Greenfield, and those shows have been very well received, and the podcast downloads have been some of the largest we've had on the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. So thank you so much uh, for bringing together this important series and uh, for introducing to us our speaker uh, for the AFP Wiley Radio Show for February. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure, and I thank you for your continued support of the series. And, you know, some of your listeners know you are also a an author in the series, but um, this is just a great group of authors with, with so, much, um, so much to offer nonprofits. And Susan, one of the added benefits of the AFP Wiley Radio series is uh, each week uh, that we have the show, which is always the third Tuesday of each month, we'll actually be giving away a copy of that author's book, uh, and that's a contribution uh, from uh, John Wiley and Son. So thank you for making that possible. Oh, no problem. That is absolutely my pleasure, and um, yeah, I just I hope the uh, the book benefits whoever uh, whoever the winner is. Absolutely. So everyone stay tuned for next week. Don't forget to uh, tune in at 12 o'clock next Tuesday for the AFP Wiley radio show, not only for our terrific author, uh, but uh, also for the opportunity to uh, earn or to win a copy of that book. Susan McDermott, thank you for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Thanks again, Ted, and best of luck to you. We'll catch you next month. Thanks for coming online here. Uh, Next here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, next up in the radio uh, links, uh, you will find over at tedhartradio.com all of the radio links. And you know if you've been listening to this show that we are huge fans of the service known as Zobni, X-O-B-N-I.com. Well, Zobni just announced uh, Zobni for BlackBerry. Uh, and we wanted to draw your attention because it's such a, a terrific service offered at almost no cost at all. If you want the upgraded pro version or completely free, uh, if you want the free version. So, uh, don't be afraid to uh, go and check that out and make sure that you are in fact using Zobni, uh, both for your Outlook and now, uh, for your Blackberry. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, with Ted Hart uh, is uh, Natalie Portman, uh, who has been uh, nominated for an Oscar this year, is also a philanthropist and very concerned about children and particularly girls uh, receiving uh, solid education in Africa. I want to share a little bit of an audio clip that she has uh, provided to us uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach so that you can learn all about how you can support Natalie Portman's efforts for Free the Children. Investing in the education of girls is the most effective way to fight poverty, and yet 70% of the world's out-of-school youth are girls. Hi, I'm Natalie Portman, and I'm deeply concerned about the lack of educational possibilities for girls around the world. I hope you will help me to support the education of girls at the new Kisaruni School in rural Kenya. For a long time, there was no high school for girls in this community. Over the last 12 years, Free the Children has built more than 50 elementary schools in rural Kenya. With its innovative and effective development model, Free the Children is empowering girls to stay in school. The longer a girl stays in school, the more likely she is to break her entire family out of the cycle of poverty. I believe in the power of young people like you, and I'm creating a contest to motivate girls everywhere to stand up for the girls at the Kisaruni School in Kenya. Here's how you can join me. Starting February 1st, take action by holding events to raise awareness and funds in support of girls' education in Kenya and free the children's new Kisaruni School in rural Kenya. On May 1st, the top five applications will have a chance to tell us why they believe in the power of education. The applicant with the most powerful story will win a trip to join Free the Children on a volunteer experience in Kenya, a designer dress worn by me, tickets to attend the premiere of my next film, and more. Throughout the contest, we'll be celebrating the power of girls by sharing your actions and impacts. I believe you have what it takes to change the life of girls in Kenya. Show the world how. Sign up to fundraise and create real change. 
Visit freethechildren slash girls to get involved now. I really appreciate uh, this uh, audio clip because it shows the kind of creativity that those who have celebrity can bring to charitable causes such as Free the Children. I urge everyone to check out the radio links both for the opportunity to see how they put this uh, uh, program together but also uh, to potentially join in and support yourself the Free the Children effort that Natalie Portman is putting together. Next up here on the radio links uh, for uh, page one here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is an article from the Chronicle of Philanthropy letting us know, as you, as you know on this show, we have shared with you several times the power of online auctions uh, in raising money for charitable organizations. Well, that continues over on eBay, and this report just now is that giving through eBay has soared to a record $54.8 million. Even in a tough economy, online philanthropy by eBay uh, has continued to grow. So listen to all or read all about um, all the increases there, a 7% increase over the prior year. Information on how eBay Giving Works does work, some of the charities that are benefiting from it, uh, and to uh, uh, also read about how celebrity auctions uh, in particular uh, have raised close to $200,000. Um, so lots of information over there on the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, you'll find over in the radio links, 15 great nonprofit video ads from Canada. So if you're interested in putting together video ads, you may want to uh, see what works and what doesn't work. And tying right into that, you'll also find a radio link today uh, giving you information on the 2011 YouTube Nonprofit Video Awards. And let me share with you this audio clip so that you can learn all about how you can submit your videos for consideration for the 2011 YouTube Nonprofit Video Awards. Did your nonprofit make a video in 2010? Then now's your chance to enter the Do Gooder Nonprofit Video Awards. Show the world all the great work you did for your important issues in 2010. Issues like the arts, health, environment, human rights, disaster relief, and so much more. Nonprofits of all sizes are welcome to enter their best work. We will award prizes to small, medium, and large organizations, as well as a special award for the best videos produced with a thrifty budget. Winning organizations will receive $10,000 in grants generously provided by the Cates Foundation, free registration for the NTC 2012 conference, video products from Flip Video, and your winning video featured on the home page of YouTube. Winners will be announced at the 2011 Nonprofit Technology Conference in Washington, D.C. In order to participate, you must be a member of the YouTube Nonprofit Program. So if you haven't applied for this great free service, do it now. Show us the best and brightest nonprofit videos of 2010. Now check out the radio links at tedhartradio.com today, and you can learn even more information about these do-gooder awards for the YouTube Nonprofit Video Awards. If you have created a video, take the opportunity to submit it for these awards, and if you haven't, uh, why not put together a video this year for next year's awards and check out the top 15 uh, uh, very creative viral videos from Canada that we have over in the radio links uh, today. Now this is a very special show. I guess they're all very special shows, uh, but I do want to uh, uh, let you know that in addition to our topic today, which is learning all about B corporations, and I believe all nonprofit executives should know what a B corporation is, we are also going to be celebrating Social Media Week. So a little bit of a duo show here. Uh, so uh, next up is page two. Now, it is my 
my pleasure to welcome here to page two of the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, Clint O'Brien. Clint O'Brien is Vice President of Business Development at Care2, where he leads the business development and campaign fulfillment teams, as well as has established the Care2's Washington, D.C. office. In the role, Clint markets Care2's expanding menu of professional services to Care2's nonprofit partners, helping them to recruit new members and donors from Care2's dynamic community of academic or activist-minded cultural creatives. And uh, here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, welcome Clint O'Brien. Thanks, Ted. It's great to be here. Well, it's good to have you here on the show, um, sort of a dual task here, uh, and that is uh, a little bit of a discussion on Social Media Week, which runs from February 7th through the 11th and is being hosted all over the world in New York, San Francisco, Rome, Paris, Toronto, Sao Paulo, London, Hong Kong, and Istanbul. We've provided a link to the socialmediaweek.org website so that our listeners can be up to speed on what's happening in Social Media Week. And Clint, you and I have had several discussions about the uh, importance of social media and where it fits in the overall strategy for a nonprofit organization. So I just want to spend a minute on that before we get to our main topic because I know that you are also a leader in B Corporations, and we have a couple of guests who will join us uh, in a moment as well. So, uh, Clint, share your perspective on where does social media fit for the average nonprofit. Well, sure. Um, you know, at Care2, because we, we have 15 million do-gooder members uh, and we've developed over the years into such a resource for the nonprofit community who are the source of three-quarters of our revenue, we get the privilege of working with a wide variety of nonprofits, almost 700 of them, uh, on all sorts of things, but mainly on helping them grow their capacity and on their base of grassroots donors and grassroots supporters. Um, so along the way, we've, we've learned a lot about social media and how it fits into their strategies. And, you know, I think for many years um, – People were wondering whether their nonprofit needed to get into social media, and I think that the jury is back on that, and the answer is a resounding yes. They, they absolutely need to be into social media now. But then the next question is, well, what level of investment uh, of staff resources and money and all the rest of it is appropriate for social media? And that's where it gets a bit complicated. And, you know, we see a pretty uh, wide divergence of, um, of, of value that nonprofits get from social media, particularly in the area of fundraising, where uh, it's of limited value to most nonprofits. There are a few exceptions to that. Uh, and so, you know, generally we're in the business of counseling nonprofits how to grow their base. And, um, you know, growing the number of Facebook friends is valuable, but it's of lim limited value, and it's certainly no substitute for a robust strategy with your email growth or with your website uh, growth, or for that matter, with things like direct mail, if your organization uses direct mail. So particularly from a fundraising uh, point of view, we're a, a bit um, more cautious about, about how we see social media fitting in. But certainly from a brand awareness point of view, uh, from a cultivation point of view, it's absolutely necessary for nonprofits today to have pretty strong social media strategies. Clint, as our listeners know, I've shared many times on this show that the whole nature of people-to-people -people fundraising is what makes social networking possible as an integration solution for nonprofit organizations that by itself it's not going to do very much, as you said, integrating online and offline. One of the concepts that I've shared on this show and, and certainly have shared uh, in all of my lectures is this concept of finding your Aunt Mabel, as I say, finding that person who is an ambassador, who has a social network, who could be inspired to bring your message forward to others. And I understand that Care2 has a service that you offer to charities that help them essentially find their Aunt Mabels. Can you tell us a little bit about what that new service uh, from Care2 is all about? Sure. You're talking about our Social Network Insight Service, and <clears throat> it's a way to uh, increase the value of the uh, of, of this core product of Care2 to our nonprofit clients. And the core product, to remind you, is essentially lead generation. We are in the business of finding and recruiting 
lots and lots of Care2 members, not only from our own traffic, but now from our network of partner websites, which has a collective reach of about 80 million uniques per month across sites like Huffington Post and Grist and Mother Jones and uh, Democrats.com, Alternate, etc. But the point is we have a vast pool of leads to recruit. We use permission marketing, uh, and we're de delivering these folks who have essentially demonstrated through their online actions and then by voluntarily signing up that they're warm leads for nonprofits uh, who can help those organizations with winning advocacy victories, but also many of these leads can be converted into actual donors. So when the social networking um, you know, world uh, arrived within the last few years, what we realized was that it would be very helpful to go the extra step when we're doing a big recruitment effort, a campaign for a client, to be able to show them who among this set of 50,000 freshly recruited leads, for example, are the super-connected individuals on the large social networks, such as MySpace, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and so now we have a service. We've actually limited it to, uh, to Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, we're no longer including MySpace. But it's a way for us to give an influencer score for uh, as many members of the re fresh recruits, that big batch of folks that we've just recruited for a nonprofit as possible, so that the nonprofit now knows who among the many we've recruited are worthy of special follow-up, you know, a lot of extra cultivation because they have the potential to become evangelists uh, using their own extensive networks on those other major social networks. Well, that's uh, that's very important, and so I do want to uh, sort of wrap up our social media week um, discussions on uh, urging charities to continue uh, the process of finding those Aunt Mabels, those super connected, uh, and certainly to consider Care2 uh, as a potential partner in that endeavor. Now what I want to turn our attention to uh, today, Clint O'Brien from Care2, uh, is specifically this issue of B Corporation. Uh, and uh, what I want to ask you to do is to start off for our audience explaining what is a B Corporation. Sure, my pleasure. So a, a B Corporation is a new kind of company that uses the power of business to solve social and environmental problems. It is a for-profit company, but it's certified by a nonprofit called B Lab. And B Corporations, uh, in order to achieve that certification, have to achieve a passing score in a pretty comprehensive survey that evaluates social and environmental responsibility. And uh, now about three years into the B Corporation program, there are more than 375 B Corporations across 30 different industries. And a growing number of those B Corporations, like Care2, are specifically dedicated to serving the needs of nonprofit organizations. So in a nutshell, from the nonprofit's point of view, a B Corporation uh, is a designation that helps you tell the difference between good companies and just good marketing. Now, the state that was a leader in, um, in starting the designation of B Corporation uh, was first Maryland. Is that correct? They were the first state legislature to recognize B Corporations, yes. And I believe that Senator Jamie Raskins uh, was the legislator in Maryland uh, who started that ball rolling, and I know that, and I want to talk to you in a few moments uh, about the initiative that you have for across the country, uh, but it's also my pleasure to bring on to the show here Paul Anderson, who is the Chief Legal Review Officer for the Maryland Department of Assessment and Taxation. Uh, Mr. Anderson, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. How are you, Ted? It's great to have you here on the show, joining us here with Clint O'Brien. Um, and what I wanted to ask you, since Maryland is a leader in this uh, area of B corporations, I just wanted to ask you, what is it that your department looks for uh, in these uh, applications, and why does Maryland think that these B corporations could be important? Well, um, basically, uh, the, the Maryland statute um, very much, uh, you know, accepts the idea that these are for-profit corporations, and uh, for 99% of the the workings of the corporation are just like any other standard Maryland corporation. Same filing fee, same structure. Uh, 
the only difference uh, really is the standard of care uh, that is uh, expected of the directors. Um, now, as a you know, as, as a bureaucracy, that's really transparent to us. At a, uh, you know, but uh, you know, the the statute provides uh, you know and goes into some length about you know the the real gravamen of the statute really deals with um, again standard of care. Uh, theoretically, um, the directors of an ordinary business corporation uh, have a fiduciary responsibility to the stockholders to make every cent they can. I use the uh, you know the analogy if it if it if it's profitable to kill the whales, the company is supposed to go out and kill the whales. Uh, this uh, now, you know, in the practical world, that doesn't happen, you know, because you know, even you know, even in the modern directorship, uh, you're always looking at public opinion. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're not. We're, this is not, you know, 1875 anymore. Nevertheless, though, on some level, the directors have this um, uh, this responsibility to the stockholders in a standard corporation to make every cent they can. Uh, regardless of, well, I shouldn't say regardless of any cost, but to make every cent they can. In, a, in the, the concept behind at least Maryland statute with the B Corporation is the directors have other goals, and um, the and so they can, they can be um, a little more balanced in their approach without the, the you know the nagging doubt that in the background. Uh, there's a derivative lawsuit waiting for me because I didn't vote to kill the whales. That's uh, and right. I think that's so really they, the so thrust they, the behind the principle here is that there are other concepts, other uh, principles that are driving the directors than just solely the profit model. Correct. I, you know, Ted, if I can help, I can jump in here. Um, one of yep. the requirements of a B corporation in order to get the certification from B Lab is that they amend their own articles of incorporation to say that the company is going to take into consideration not only the shareholders' interests, but all stakeholders' interests. And that's, that's exactly what I think your guest is referring to, is that that protects us as company officers from lawsuits for not uh, solely focusing, I would say myopically focusing on shareholder interests, but instead taking more of a long-term and sustainable view about about what's best for the company as well as for our environment and our customers and the environment, you know, um, society. Yeah, I think I think Clint has a good summary of that. Yes, I think that's correct. I think it's important that all nonprofit executives understand that this is a new designation, that it does exist, and it does, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, gentlemen, don't you think this brings uh, more corporate focus to that community need as opposed to just a profit need? Well, I think that the, the, uh, Again, I'm I'm kind of a mid-level bureaucrat, but I was I was surprised by the degree of interest that's been shown in B corporations. I mean, it just the, you know the mere passage of the act I think has brought uh, a uh, a certain degree of publicity to this area. I know that uh, the uh, bar association, uh, uh, you know, while not actively you know behind the statute. Uh, you know, it, I know that uh, the passage of the statute um, was a topic in a number of discussions of the, you know, the um, uh, appropriate sections of the bar association. So I think that uh, yes, I think that just the, the, the mere legislative act has brought some focus to this concept. Uh, you know, that that I think has always been out there if you're a director, but I don't think that the, uh, the, the broader public has really been aware of, you know, the problem of, you know, director responsibility vis-a-vis -vis social responsibility. Ted, you know, Clint, uh, as Maryland took a lead in adopting uh, the first statute supporting uh, B Corporation, have other states followed suit? Yes, uh, New Jersey followed suit. The New Jersey legislature has voted to follow the example of Maryland. And actually, even before they did that, the city government of Philadelphia uh, went a step further. They actually set up some tax breaks to make the business climate in the city of Philadelphia uh, welcoming 
to B corporations. So it's definitely a movement that is gathering steam. How many other states are currently considering legislation? You know, I don't know that offhand, but anyone who's interested in this topic can go to B-Lab's website, which is at bcorporation.net, and learn all of these things in very great detail. <laughs> uh, and also read through the directory of B-Corporations and, and see, you know, you'll recognize some of the names of B-Corporations in that directory and others you might not have heard of. But we think that nonprofits in particular should be paying attention to this because these are the companies whose missions line up very well with the pro-social, pro-environment missions of nonprofit organizations. And all of uh, the uh, uh, listeners today can refer to the radio links at tedhartradio.com, and they will find a link both for bcorporation.net and also bcorpsfornonprofits.com, uh, which is another website that I gather Clint has been developed specifically to share information with nonprofits on what B corporations are. Exactly. Uh, three weeks ago, Care2 joined together with the good folks at Philantech and um, uh, Better World Telecom and PicNet to uh, hold a press conference and launch that microsite, that website, bcorpsfornonprofits.com precisely because we think this is so important and yet not yet well known among nonprofit organizations that some of the B corporations, in fact a growing number of them, are focused as we are primarily on serving the needs of nonprofits. And so we have kind of a subgroup within the larger group of B corporations of those companies who devote at least or whose client bases are made up at least 50% of nonprofits or who derive at least 50% of their revenue from serving nonprofits. And so we're particularly desirous that nonprofits would learn. And, and on that note, I do want to dispel one myth uh, that I believe your other guests could, could also convincingly debunk, which I saw in the press, I think in the Chronicle of Philanthropy, uh, the head of independent sector was quoted saying that they worried that the emergence of B corporations would in some way undermine the, uh, the tax-exempt status of 501c3s, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, there is no official IRS benefit to being a B corporation. Uh, this is entirely a, uh, a, a non-governmental distinction. We're not getting any specific tax breaks from the federal government. Frankly, until Philadelphia came up with a few localized tax breaks, uh, there was no talk of creating tax breaks for B corporations. So I just want to put that notion to rest that that's not what this is about at all. Yeah, that, that's I, correct. I did read that, that, and I do know um, also that uh, some folks are concerned about the emergence of B corporations as putting pressure on some nonprofits uh, to change uh, and become. Uh, B corporations, um, as some uh, insurers have gone from nonprofit to for-profit and have sold uh, some, and there are certainly some for-profit universities, uh, there are for-profit hospitals. Um, do you foresee a time that those who see the corporate model as an answer to everything, um, viewing this as a way to pressure some charities into no longer being charities? No, I, I think it, it's actually putting pressure on for-profit companies to become big corporations or give a good reason why not. Uh, that's what it's really putting pressure on. But uh, this is so so different from what nonprofit organizations do. Um, non, you know, nonprofit organizations enjoy this tremendous tax advantage, and they're also perceived in a very favorable light by the public, and for good reason. Um, whereas the B corporations are an example of social enterprises that are determined to make a profit while they do good in the world uh, or to um, uh, make a profit uh, by doing good in the world in the case of Care2 and some other companies that are fortunate to have kind of a virtuous circle uh, mutually reinforcing business model. But in any case, I, I see the mission of nonprofits as being very different uh, and, and, no, I, I would think the pressure works the opposite way. It's, it's pressure on for-profit companies to become B corporations. 
Just want to remind our uh, listeners that you can call in and ask a question at 347-324-3080. You can ask questions over in the chat room or email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Gentlemen, we have our first question from Linda in Las Vegas, and she's asking, what if your corporation is incorporated in a state that does not recognize B corporations, uh, can your, I, I gather uh, the question is, can someone's corporation become a B corporation if they're not in a state that, re, that accepts that as a, a designation? Absolutely. If you look on the B Lab website, uh, most of the 375 current B Corps are not located in New Jersey or in Maryland. Uh, so there's your answer. You, there's no no prerequisite that you be incorporated in a state that has formally recognized B Corps. It'll be nice, of course, once all the states do recognize B Corps, and I think that's inevitable, uh, just as I think it's inevitable that tens of thousands, uh, perhaps more, hundreds of thousands of companies eventually will decide to become B Corporations. And, and the, the steps that they have to go through is there's a certifying body, as you said, and information is available at, at bcorporation.net. Uh, but what are the specific steps that a company has to take uh, to become uh, recognized as a B corporation? And why would it matter if a state like Maryland recognizes that designation? Well, um, the, the steps are, are spelled out in excruciating detail on the B-Lab website as, be, as well as in the FAQ section of the B-Corps for Nonprofits website. Um, but specifically, there is a point system, and you have to score above a certain number of points across a wide variety of measures of social responsibility, environmental responsibility. So it includes things like workplace diversity, uh, carbon neutrality, uh, recycling, waste reduction, and whether you uh, donate a portion of your profits to good causes each year. Um, so it's, it's quite involved. And in addition to getting certified, uh, periodically you have to get recertified. And then there's also a, um, an audit every year of a portion of the B corporations to make sure that the claims they made up front when they first transformed into a B corporation uh, are still holding up, that the company is still behaving in a B corporation socially responsible manner. Good. And Mr. Anderson, in Maryland, is there just a one-time filing and designation as a B corporation, or is there any ongoing reporting required of corporations that carry that designation? Well, again, the um, Maryland statute, basically you are a stock corporation that has agreed to modify director responsibility. Uh, and that's really all it is. I mean, you, you have to make the same reports as uh, uh, any other uh, um, uh, pro uh, uh, profit-making corporation. Um, and this, the Maryland state government really doesn't distinguish that. Uh, and again, there's no special. As we, you know, somebody asked before about the question about tax breaks. There are no special tax breaks. This is just a business corporation <clears throat> which has elected to put the the directors under a little different uh, regimen. Now, um, let me just make one point here because I think one of the things that's being blurred uh, a little bit. Uh, is uh, different definitions of B Corp. Uh, when you have a state which has a statute uh, where you file as a B Corp, when you file, you are a B Corp. Uh, now, um, obviously, um, what Clint is referring to, I think, is the broader measure of what uh, you know I, the listeners are, are thinking about. What is a, it? Basically, there's a third-party standard out there. Uh, where you have to meet, you know, certain, you know, somebody reviews your operations and they designate you as a B Corp. Uh, and I think, you know, and that tells me as a consumer, as a customer, that this corporation adheres to these, um, you know, this set of um, uh, standards. On the other hand, when you have a statutory designation as a B Corp, at least this, Maryland's that way, and I think most of the, the other ones that I've actually looked at, there is no initial third-party approval. So arguably you could be, a, you know, the Dirty Coal Mine, Inc., <laughs> uh, 
and uh, you know, and uh, theoretically file under uh, the B Corp statute. Uh, of course, now what that means is legally, your directors have the right to to look at things other than profit without worrying right. about getting sued. But clearly, that corporation is not going to pass the third party muster as a B Corp. So I mean, just want to as bear in mind that, right, that that what, what a government decides. Mr. Anderson, I just want to break in yes. just for one sure. second because we do have a rare opportunity here yeah. and we'll pick up um, the, the, the train of thought that you had. I do want to uh, introduce to both of our guests and uh, to our listeners, Senator Jamie Raskins, uh, who is uh, in the state legislature and is the legislator who uh, introduced the first legislation in the country that's been accepted by a state uh, for B corporations. Welcome to the nonprofit coach, Senator Raskin. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure to be with you guys. Well, I know you're so busy in Annapolis with uh, the legislature being in session. Uh, we want to benefit from uh, your good offices to just ask you the thinking that you had uh, and why you chose to take a leadership role in creating B Corporations legislation in the state of Maryland. Well, it was a couple things. One was I was approached by um, a constituent of mine who is um, a, a real estate developer and likes to develop um, – with not-for-profit groups to revitalize kind of older urban areas and to uh, inject uh, green architecture and green roofs and, you know, the most up-to-date environmental design in his projects. And he has a, you know, very strong kind of social dimension to what he's doing. And he told me about B-Lab and the, the whole movement for benefit corporations. And I was just kind of blown away by the whole idea and began to research into it and uh recognize that there there's a real movement of uh of green corporations and progressive community oriented corporations that are trying to do business in a different way and meantime it was um at the same moment when we were facing these epic catastrophes of the the BP oil spill the collapsing oil mines for the Massey company in West Virginia the you know spectacular meltdown of the whole economy because of the misbehavior of uh, corporations on Wall Street, and it just struck me that maybe we've come to the end of the road in terms of defining uh, corporations as these completely um, unaccountable uh, private entities that are devoted to just one purpose, which is seeking profit over everything else. And we can try to fence them in in different ways, although the Supreme Court has made that extremely difficult recently with the Citizens United decision. But, you know, even with some, you know, general fences out there about things like water pollution and air pollution, there's still incredible damage that the companies can do, um, you know, even when they're obeying the law. And so um, uh, there's a nice quote from Buckminster, Buckminster Fuller who said, you know, if you've got a serious problem, don't just curse the problem, but try to create a new po new model, essentially, that supplants the old one. And so I think it's going to be a long road, but maybe not as long as some people think, to kick off the benefit corporation movement and to try to channel businesses into building, you know, social projects and priorities right into the DNA of the company. Senator Raskin, when this was brought to you uh, and uh, you, you decided to uh, uh, advance this uh, in the state legislature in Annapolis, uh, did you know that you were becoming a leader in a new movement across the country? Was that your intention, or were you simply uh, looking to create some designation in Maryland? Yeah, well, I mean, no, I, I was not aware of the historic nature of what we were doing. I mean, I, it was really started as a simple act of constituent service, listening to a distinguished constituent and then some other business people who came in to say that, hey, there's this thing going on, and Maryland can really be in the forefront. And, of course, in terms of corporate law, we, like the other 48 states, are in the shadow of Delaware, and Delaware really set out the new direction for corporations um, you know, a century ago or something, where it basically said, we're going to remove all public oversight and strictures on what corporations can do. They can seek profit for any lawful purpose, and that's pretty much it. And then we'll have a hands-off approach, except we'll help the, you know, the, to work out the dynamics of, you know, fighting between the boards and the shareholders and the, the executives and so on. But 
um, we need to move in another direction. So we want to be the Delaware of benefit corporations. And, you know, we had a dozen businesses sign up on the very first day to say that they, you know, wanted to be benefit corporations. And we've had a steady stream uh, ever since then. But, of course, you know, we're thrilled that other states are following suit. But we're happy that we're, you know, trying to sketch out this new model. And there's certainly a lot of questions. And I even have another piece of legislation I'm introducing this session to allow people who create LLCs, limited liability corporations, to do it uh, as benefit LLCs, so essentially to, to parallel the provisions of the, the corporation. Expand it even further. Um, Senator Raskin, the other folks that we have on the show today are Paul Anderson, who's the Chief Legal Review Officer for the State of Maryland Department of Assessment and Taxation, and uh, Clint O'Brien, who is Vice President of Business Development at CARE2, uh, which is a benefit corporation. Uh, gentlemen, do you have any questions um, for the senator, anything you'd like to discuss? I know the senator is very busy, so I want to make good use of his time. Well, I think I've got some questions for them. <laughs> if, actually, if, if I could ask one question, um, you know, we've had lots of calls around the country from people who are trying to figure out exactly how many benefit corporations we have now, and I'm not sure that we have a complete inventory or our computers are set up to keep records of that. Are we making any progress on that front? Well, we certainly can. I mean, uh, like I say, when this this bill was initially uh, or was enacted, and we kind of looked at it, and okay, this is uh, you know the, again the salient feature of this as opposed to a regular corporation is this difference in standards of the directors, and that really didn't affect us. So we kind of scratched our heads and said, oh, we don't have to keep track of these. But uh, obviously, um, you know, there's been we, we've gotten a number of calls about this, and uh, uh, we will begin to. <laughs> You know, uh, we, we'll miss that first batch, but uh, we can certainly begin to start counting them at this point on. Yeah, that, uh, that would be terrific. And, and, and if we do, we're, we'll also make it a designation so that when you look up the, the uh, record on the computer, you can see it has made a B Corporation election. Wonderful. I mean, I think that would be a huge step forward because, I mean, you're right that legally the bite of the legislation is simply to say that, you know, that the, the, the company is protected in the event that someone says – you could have made us more money, but you chose instead to protect the streams or to invest in community housing or something, and they can say, well, there's a public interest at stake, and that's built into our charter. But there's another important benefit to the benefit companies, which is there's a, there's a branding idea, which is that you know there are a lot of investors, a lot of consumers, a lot of employees who are looking for companies that are committed to the community in an active way, and so it's really good to help people know and to find out which are the benefit companies. Well, exactly. This is Clint from Care2, and you know we became a B Corporation two years ago precisely because we craved that good housekeeping seal of approval from B-Lab that would help not only our, our 15 million consumer members but our 700 nonprofit clients understand how we're different from ordinary companies. And, you know, we had, to be fair, we had uh, been a member of a different organization for many years and still are called the Ceres Group out of Boston, C-E-R-E-S, which is another voluntary group of for-profit companies that are trying to do the right thing. But that had never really taken hold in terms of the branding uh, benefit of, of, of being a do-gooder company. And so we're hopeful now that B-Lab, which seems to be a very well-organized effort that is getting traction, will will become very powerful in the in the minds of consumers and clients and suppliers, and so people will start to say, oh, there goes a B Corporation. They're very special. Let's work with them. But I would say until until governments start tracking this, really the best source for knowing who are the B Corporations is just to go to the B Lab website where they keep a directory and they try to keep it up to date. We're up to 375 so far. I, I see a, a complete directory at bcorporation.net. Senator Raskin, thank you so much for your leadership in Maryland as a, a state resident. Uh, in uh, I'm in Howard County, and I know you represent Montgomery County. Uh, we wish you uh, every bit of success in expanding the designation of B Corporations to uh, BLLC uh, in, uh, in Maryland. And thank you for your national leadership, whether you sought it or not. Uh, it's great to have you here in Maryland as a leader. Well, thank you so much. I'm delighted about the progress we're making, and uh, you know, I think we'll wake up in 10 years, and we're going to have a completely transformed business sector. So thanks to all you guys for your hard work. Thank you, Senator. And we owe thank a lot you. of that to you, Senator Jamie Raskin, Democrat, the district, the 20th district 
uh, in Maryland representing Montgomery County. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, gentlemen, back to uh, our discussion. What a wonderful opportunity to have Senator Raskin here on, uh, on the show today. Um, thank you both for coming on and helping us understand. I do have another uh, question here, uh, and, uh, and this comes from uh, David in Philadelphia, and, and he's uh, asking, are B corporations specifically created to serve the nonprofit sector? No, uh, they're not. Uh, some, like Care2, have always made serving nonprofits a core part of our business. For us, it's the source of 75% of our revenue. Um, but there are plenty of B corporations who are not in the business of primarily serving nonprofits, and we wish them well, too. I mean, some of the more famous names among the B corporations that some of your listeners have heard of are Seventh Generation and Intuit and Salesforce.com, and there are plenty more, actually. If you care to look, you'll find quite a few brands that you recognize, but you'll also find hundreds of of, uh, B corporations that you probably have not heard of, uh, in this sector, some other ones, I mentioned a few, you know, Philantech and PicNet and Better World Telecom are, are well-known in the nonprofit sector, but so is Mel Warwick Associates, one of the founding B Corps, uh, the Soap Group out of Portland, Maine. Uh, actually, right here in Washington, D.C., we held our press conference at uh, Bus Boys and Poets, which is a local restaurant and meeting place, and they are themselves a, uh, a B Corporation. Uh, up in Philadelphia, where your, your caller is who, uh, who asked that question, uh, the White Dog Cafe is a famous uh, B Corporation um, run by Judy Wick. Uh, so there, there are B Corporations all over the place, and it's a real movement that's just gaining tremendous momentum right now. I think so. In looking at the directory at bcorporation.net, uh, is it a fair expectation or not a fair expectation that if nonprofits were to find a B Corporation in their local community, that there would be a better than even chance that that corporation would be interested in supporting charity? Yes. In fact, um, it's one of the discrete items in the, uh, in the impact assessment, the whole scoring system for B corporations is the extent to which they give back to their community. Um, in CARE2, we do that through a lot of donations to good causes each year, uh, particularly through our Click to Donate pages, as well as our Butterfly Rewards loyalty program, which results in our members giving gifts or actually care to giving gifts in our members' names to a lot of leading nonprofits. And so there are a lot of different mechanisms by which a B Corporation can meet that requirement. But, uh, yes, absolutely, it, it's, it's a smart thing for nonprofits to identify the uh, B Corporations in their midst and seek to work with them. They'll, they'll be pleased that they did. So, uh Mr. Anderson, I'm just uh, wondering, you said that uh, the designation um, continues to grow. Um, is, is there a sense of, of how popular this is in the state of Maryland? Well, again, it, it's, it's, it's an idea that um, is, is getting broader um, exposure through you know, media, like this show, for example. Uh, but uh, certainly... Um, the uh, like I say the mere fact that it is now a statute uh, makes certain institutional uh, influential institutional groups aware of the concept. Like for example, I, at the last bar association meeting I went to, uh, like I say, the relative committee that deals with corporation. You know, one of the things that was sitting there on the table was a uh, handout of the uh, LLC statute. You know, the proposed uh, um, B LLC statute. Uh, and of course, these people, um, you know, uh, lawyers were, were, you know, often referred to as lizard-like. Uh, yeah. One of the things we do, we tend to take at least a lot of our, at least this area of law, you tend to take a very low profile. Uh, but these people make a lot of uh, relevant decisions. For example, the people in this, you know, in this section of the bar association, for example, they're the ones that are, are there at the birth of. Organizations, corporations, LLCs—they're the ones advising the entrepreneurs. What are your options? Um, you know, what, what, you know. Well, if I do this, what happens? If I do that, what has happened? And I think that uh, certain other key groups uh, like that. Um, you know, I think uh, you know the other area. Like I say, I, I think that the, the the bar has become very much aware of this in the last year. Uh, the I think the other relevant group that may or may not be aware of it is, is lenders, perhaps. Uh, um, 
you know, um, I, I think there's an area where maybe more growth could be, you know, uh, you know, there could be more proselytization, shall we say, uh, for B corps. But uh, again, I think that uh, yes, there's been in certain smaller but influential groups, I've seen an awareness of B corps that wasn't there three, you know, two two years ago. Well, as Kevin, gentlemen, I'm just going to uh, take a little bit of a break here and share some uh, good news for one of our listeners. Uh, when we come back, I'm just going to ask you both to briefly summarize uh, the work that you do in the areas of B Corporation, specifically how this might be promoted uh, to, uh, to continue to grow. And taking that uh, break, I want to uh, ask you both to uh, join me in congratulating Leah Jones. Leah Jones today is the winner of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green Handbook uh, that is sponsored by Santa Fe Aventis. Uh, she is in Benton, Arkansas, and works for Civitan Services. Uh, and she it was a reader of our newsletter uh, and is uh, today's winner of the book giveaway. So make sure that you are uh, registered to receive our newsletters at p2pfundraising.org and greennonprofits.org for the next opportunity to win one of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green handbooks sponsored by Santa Fe Aventus. Uh, so, gentlemen, um, I'm back here uh, from that uh, nice announcement, and congratulations uh, to our winner today, Leah Jones. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, Mr. Anderson, if you could just uh, in a minute or so uh, summarize the work that you're doing in Maryland uh, for uh, promoting B Corporations. Well, as a state agency, I mean, we're not exactly in the promotion business. Uh, you know, we're, we try and take, a, if anything, we try and take a neutrality on what people do, and uh, uh, we're not really in the, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I'm, I always am reluctant to have my staff uh, start to, Give basically give advice on corporate law. Nevertheless, uh, uh, you know I think there is an awareness. Uh, again, when people incorporate, they they come to our office at the early stages, and um, I say my staff knows in a general way what a B Corp is. Uh, and uh, again, they it, it, obviously they will answer questions, but uh, I, I would say that we are not really a good good place to uh, push the the idea of B corps just by our nature. By certainly answering questions again, Paul Anderson, uh, thank you very much for joining us today as a chief thank legal you for review me. officer for the Maryland State Department of Assessment and Taxation. You've been a wonderful addition to our show today. I'm going to wrap up today uh, with uh, uh, Clint O'Brien uh, from uh, Care Two. Uh, Clint, you originally brought this uh, topic. Uh, to the nonprofit coach, and we want to thank you very much uh, for doing that. And I'm wondering, in the the last uh, couple of minutes that we have remaining here on the show, if you could just share with us what's being done to promote B corporations and why you think it's important. Sure. Well, um, B Lab has taken on the role of coordinating a pretty big consumer ad campaign, trying to get the word out about B corporations, and uh, involved uh, advertising in Good Magazine and I believe Wired. Uh, or Fast Company, one of those two, and, and also a lot of uh, in-kind advertising services. So Care2 now has a monthly unique audience of about uh, actually 13 million, uh, as well as our membership of 15 million. And so we are a powerful ally, and we've been getting the word out as much as we could. And then that subgroup that I mentioned, B Corps for Nonprofits, that we belong to, is doing our part to try to spread the word among nonprofits so that they're more aware that B corporations are different and worthy of their patronage. Um, but I think, honestly, it's a movement that ultimately doesn't need a whole lot of promotion because although it may have started out uh, motivated by altruism, I think we're past that now. I think it's now good business to be a B corporation and to patronize B corporations because consumers' thinking has changed. And, you know, this is the reason why cause marketing has just taken off as a huge growth area within the advertising industry in the last six or seven years, it's because consumers are no longer content to make their purchasing decisions solely on the basis of uh, 
you know, the features and uh, the attributes of the product. They want to know something about the company. They want to have the confidence that the brand and the company behind the products they buy are making responsible choices, are not contributing to environmental problems or employing, you know, exploited labor. Uh, they're, they're looking for a seal of approval to help them, you know, be a, to be a beacon, to help them choose the right brands and services to patronize, and that's exactly what the B Corp designation is. Uh, so I think, um, well, you know, to some extent, now that it's been set in motion, you're going to see it just spread and spread on its own because it has become good business. Well, I agree with you, uh, Clint O'Brien from CARE2. I thank you so much for bringing this topic to the nonprofit coach with Ted Hart. I think it's important that all nonprofit executives understand this designation and that all for-profit executives uh, consider becoming a B Corporation. Thank you, Clint O'Brien, for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you all for listening to us today on the show. We'll be right back here 12 noon next week for the AFP Wiley radio show. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details